my2020census.gov. This is pretty straightforward. Start questionnaire. Please log in using, using the materials we mailed you. Enter your 12-digit census ID, which is here, pretty easy. Good evening. I'm Kate France. And I'm Tabby Tyler. Tonight we're talking about why the f**k the census matters. So grab a beverage. I mean, you're in quarantine, so it's obviously not your first one. And uh, enjoy your night in. There's an English expression that may have been an expression translated from a Chinese curse. And it goes, may you live in interesting times. And wow, did I not really understand that that was a curse until I started living in a modern history book. Yeah, can we please make the times less interesting? Can't we go back to previous dramas where people were, like, afraid of clowns? Or when people were dumping buckets of ice on their heads? Yes, I miss caring about what horrible things the Kardashians had done lately. But this is our lot, so we must make the best of it. Like we are doing right now. Kate and I are apart. Imagine. It's been over a week. I'm starting to get the shakes. <sighs> we are working from home on Discord. So if the sound quality is different to you, this is why. And so in between our panic snacks and our social isolation, we managed to write a show and we managed to do our civic duty as a citizen. Yes. It's that time of year. Well, no, rather it's that time of every 10 years. Uh, it's that time of decade where we are prompted to fill out the census. Which is great. Everyone should fill out the census. You literally have two responsibilities right now as an American citizen. Stay inside and answer five questions. That should be our mantra. Fill out the census. Or wait, no, that's not very relaxing. Fill out the census. Yes, repeat that in your head as you do your eighth celebrity-led meditation for the day. But seriously, I, I kind of put it up there with voting as far as importance goes. Every vote counts and every count votes. That is, every count votes by extension of their votes in the Electoral College, which is, you know, dictated by census results. And the allocation of votes in the Electoral College is just one of the many uses of census data. Census data is also used to reapportion seats in the House of Representatives, to realign congressional districts, and to guide how billions of dollars of federal funding will be spent. The website for the census states, quote, over the next decade, lawmakers, business owners, and many others will use 2020 census data to make critical decisions. The results will show where communities need new schools, new clinics, new roads, and more services for families, older adults, and children. The results will also inform how hundreds of billions of dollars in federal funding are allocated to more than 100 programs, including Medicaid, Head Start, Block Grants for Community Mental Health Services, and the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, also known as SNAP. End quote. The census helps to ensure that vulnerable communities are fairly distributed resources. But often, these vulnerable communities are undercounted. In 2010, over one million children under the age of five were not counted in the census. 
How they determined this number is discussed in a 538 article that we'll post in the linear notes of this show. But the brass tacks of the article is that the count of young children in the census appears to be getting worse, and this could be due to a number of factors. Children are now more likely to live in complex households where they live in two separate locations because of divorced parents, which makes them more likely to be left off of a census count. According to the 538 article, quote, These kids may live in families that are considered hard to count. They live in high-poverty neighborhoods, rental housing, or with another family. The rate of uncounted young kids in urban areas is double or triple the national figure, and kids of color are also more likely to be missed. And it's not just children who are being missed. A study by the Urban Institute that was discussed on NPR predicted that the 2020 census could lead to the worst undercount of Black and Latinx people in 30 years. There are a number of possible factors that could lead to this. A study conducted by the Census Bureau found that people don't fill out the census because of privacy concerns, fear of repercussions, distrust of the government, apathy, and few perceived personal benefits, and that minority groups are the most likely to be misinformed about the use of census data. Complex living situations also contribute to census miscounts. Complex living situations can include individuals who live in multiple homes, multiple people living in one home, and people with no ties to a fixed residence. And when multiple people live in one home, there's a fear that that information can be used against them and that they can be evicted. Or worse, deported. The Trump administration last year discussed its desire to include a question on citizenship in the 2020 census, a proposal that never came into fruition. But the proposal nonetheless helped to further frighten non-citizens into thinking that filling out the census would be dangerous to them. I mean, I can see why people wouldn't want to give their information. Yeah, it's the government asking for your personal information. And you'd be inclined to think that they're going to use it for something else, but by law they cannot. There's a Fighting Rumors tab on the U.S. 2020 Census website. Oh, yeah? Setting the record straight. Does the 2020 Census ask about citizenship status? No, the 2020 Census does not ask whether you or anyone in your home is a U.S. citizen. Are non-citizens counted in the census? Yes, everyone counts. The 2020 census counts everyone living in the country, including non-citizens. Can my answers be shared with law enforcement or used against me? No, the law prevents the Census Bureau from sharing information with law enforcement. Answers cannot be used to impact your eligibility for government benefits. Your answers, answers are only used to create statistics about our country. The Census Bureau is bound by Title 13 of the U.S. Code to protect your personal information and keep it strictly confidential. That's every answer to every question. Good. Yeah, that's important. Mm-hmm. So, like, hang on. So what if, like, somebody who's wanted by the FBI's most wanted filled out their name in the census? They can't use it. They can't use it. Because of Title 13, they can't use it. Any on the... When you opened up the 2020 census, before you clicked on the rumors tab, they had it in big, bold font saying, for any reason, the law enforcement agencies cannot use it due to Title 13. Huh. So even if you are number one on the FBI's most wanted list, can't use it. We want nice roads. We want good roads. Please just fill out the census. 
The 538 article we mentioned earlier included a study done at George Washington University that estimated the amount of funding communities were missing out on due to census undercounts. Quote, To simulate the effects of a countrywide undercount affecting all age groups, George Washington University researchers took the population numbers from the 2010 census and reduced them by 1% in each state. In the 37 states that qualified for more than the minimum level of federal dollars for these programs, this 1% drop in population count would have cost those states a median of $1,091 in 2015 for each person missed by the census, according to the research. Some states would lose out on hundreds of millions of dollars in federal money. End quote. So you can clearly see how much people have to gain by participating. And how much they could miss out on if they don't. But the reasons people avoid the census today are not very different from the reasons people avoided the census in the past. Korean farmers have a proverb. Don't let the government know how many sons and how many cows you have. The census is one of humanity's oldest bureaucratic traditions. Much like the old tradition of not trusting your government. The history of the census dates back to 3800 BCE, when the Babylonian Empire took the first known official census. This census mostly pertained to livestock and consumable goods, but in 2 CE, the Han Dynasty in China collected the oldest surviving census information. It was a massive undertaking that recorded 57.7 million people and 12.4 million households. In 1086 CE, the census became a tool for taxation when William the Conqueror had the Doomsday Book recorded to gather information about all British landowners. Funny that the census was called the Doomsday Book. Yeah, like that doesn't garner mistrust. Similarly, 200 years later, the Mongols took a census of their captured holdings in China, Russia, and other Asian territories in order to demand resources to further their conquests. Hello, uh, we're here to make an assessment of your valuables, which are now actually our valuables, so that we can more effectively conquer other people and their valuables. However, for the most part, the census was a way to administer territories and tax populations, a trend that seems to be a cross-cultural one that was practiced by many, including the Incans, who used knots on a string of alpaca hair to record census data. The census continued for the next several centuries and eventually was administered in the United States. The first U.S. census was conducted in 1790, and the first census workers crossed the country on horseback for 18 months, collecting the information that would establish the size of the House of Representatives and how many representatives each state would get. Of the populations present at the time, Native Americans were not counted nor represented. Enslaved peoples were counted as an utterly dehumanizing three-fifths of a person, and they also were not represented in Congress. The censuses of 1850 and 1860 included the U.S. slave schedules. These records listed the age, sex, and race, whether mulatto or black, of the enslaved peoples and which white person claimed ownership of them. These records showed an increase in the numbers of enslaved peoples in the U.S., 
which was in direct contrast to the pro-slavery arguments of the time that the numbers of persons who were enslaved were not on the rise. Abolitionists used this data to better arm their anti-slavery arguments. The 1870 census was the first collected after emancipation, and African Americans were counted in the census. This is important because many Black Americans today cannot trace their ancestry back further than a couple generations, and using these historical records can help families connect and genealogical histories can finally be formed. Meanwhile, across the world, Imperial England was attempting to collect a thorough census of India, the issues that arose from this, as with most issues plaguing Imperial England, arose from hubris. Collecting census data at best is a monumental undertaking. Attempting it for a country you conquered, who doesn't like or trust you, that you absolutely have no cultural understanding of is just the sheer hubris required is so, so, so Imperial Britain. So let's talk about why this didn't work for a second. Oh, and um, spoilers, it didn't go as planned. Britain required the standard list of jobs from the English census to be used in India's census, which was a nightmare for the census workers who had to figure out in what category to place careers in India, such as, quote, jokers and storytellers, hail averters, and prayer mutterers. Assumptions were made about the number of people living in a house, and on many occasions, places of business were counted as houses, which inflated the amount of people in a region. In addition to this, people didn't participate or straight up lied because of rumors that, quote, the goal of the count is to identify girls to be sent to England to fan Queen Victoria during a heat wave. This was not actually a thing, but again, not trusting your government especially not the imperialist government you don't want and didn't ask for, is a timeless instinct in people. Ultimately, though, the census of the early 1800s failed due to methodological errors that led to staggeringly incorrect assumptions about population size in India, so much so that one city was estimated to have a population of over 500,000 inhabitants, when actually it had a population of just over 150,000. And the erroneously large population size of India led English administrators to believe that they were administering a population far larger than was accurate. And as a result, they tried to categorize large clusters of people by using India's caste system. Future census questions would include a question on caste designation, a decision that would have lasting repercussions on Indian culture to this day. The caste system underwent a change that enabled it to resemble more of a class system, and this was a result of the English not understanding what the traditional caste system was. When caste designation began to dictate a person's ability to acquire material status, the system itself began to transform. The essay titled Ethnographic Mapping and the Construction of the British Census in India concludes, quote, for the Indian people, the censuses acted as a catalyst for an increased consciousness of caste. As caste status became an increasingly significant factor in attaining material status, while the original intent may have been to gather data to assist governments in dealing with natural disaster and famine relief, the effect of the analysis of that data went far beyond these goals. Ultimately, the census provided data that allowed the British to have a much deeper effect on Indian society than might otherwise have been possible. 
end quote. Which is just, uh, I want to take Imperial England aside and say, you've done enough. You're cut off, England. Which brings us back to our original conversation about how the census has managed to garner considerable mistrust from citizens and non-citizens worldwide. Which is such a concern, because we cannot emphasize enough the importance of the census. A Pew Research study asked American citizens about their trust in each other and the government. The results weren't exactly shocking. Americans' trust in the federal government is at an all-time low, and their faith in each other is middling. But one thing was surprising. More than 8 in 10 Americans believe it is possible to improve the level of confidence people have in the government. And that hope, that belief that the federal government can do what the people want and need, and that we can trust them to do so, is only truly manifested with participation of the people. The government can't represent your interests, and you, yourself, can't be represented in Congress and the Electoral College if you aren't counted. And the census, as it stands today, has been changed to reflect our modern society. Today, for example, more ethnicities are listed than ever before, and you can record a same-sex partner or blended families. There are absolutely places where it still needs improvement, of course. For example, it still asks about gender using only binary terms. But things are on the up and up. The Supreme Court denied the Trump administration's proposal to question people about citizenship. And the census data is actually really, really, really important right now in the time of a pandemic. According to How Stuff Works, many 911 emergency systems are based on maps developed for the last census. Census information helps health providers predict the spread of diseases through communities with children or elderly people. And when disasters hit, the census tells rescuers how many people will need their help. This incredibly valuable information is very easy to provide. You can do it by mail or online. If you do not send your response in the mail or answer online, a volunteer from the census will come to your home and attempt to survey you in person. Doing it online took me three to four minutes, and I was able to do it without my census ID since I had not yet received mine. It's only about five, six questions long and wasn't remotely invasive. All right. Final questions. We'd like to make sure everyone is counted once. Some people live or stay in more than one place. Do any of these people usually stay elsewhere? No. Next. You're almost finished and now ready to send your responses. Okay. I'm going to submit this questionnaire. Thank you for completing the 2020 census questionnaire for this address on this day. Wow, that was incredibly easy. Filling it out online? Yeah. Yeah. I, well, here, elbows. <laughs> In the time of corona, everybody elbow bumps. The census doesn't ask for your social security number, any banking or financial information, political affiliation, or citizenship status. Do not give any information to anyone claiming to need it for the census. And remember that filling out the census is your civic duty. So log on and take care of it. Speaking of being home, we have a word or two or ten for our main demographic, our parents. <laughs> yeah, stay home, mom. We and love dad. you, dad and la mom and grandparents. <laughs> we want My you to be, be okay. <laughs> My mom's going to feel attacked that I said her first. She's <laughs> 
I don't go anywhere. I'm fine. I'm following the rules. I wouldn't leave grandma, the house if it wasn't Stay home. <laughs> My grandma's going to be like, all I do is go on walks. It's fine. I'm following the rules. But no, the point is, we've talked about this really important civic duty, but we really need to remind everyone to please stay at home, please, so that we can just get this over with. Please. <laughs> Give the healthcare world an opportunity here to actually handle this. Yeah. And you know, I mean, it's a great thing. thing. Sorry, I'm cutting you off. But I mean, that is the thing. Everybody says, why do we have to do this? This is so bad for the economy. This is so bad for me, you know, proverbial me. And and the whole point of everything is that we do not have the healthcare facilities to deal with a massive influx of people coming to the hospital with an illness who need to be on respirators, who need complex medical care. Flattening the curve is important to keep those systems operational. So please, 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 please stay home. And you know what's a great thing you could do while you're home? You could listen to all of a night in. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. Yeah. And you could also interact with us on social media. <laughs> Come on, Tyler in France. You know you're on your phone like a bazillion times more than you've ever been in your life. Talk to us. We want to hear from you. Give us input. Ask us questions. Please, we're so lonely. We're so lonely. (laughs) And uh, we'll talk to you next week. I miss you, Kate. I miss miss you too, Tammy. (laughs) Just just Kirk Spock. Glassmere.jpg. Glassmere, glass window. Yes, yes, it's a great mantra to keep in mind, guys. The good of the many outweighs the good of the few or the one. So stay home. Bye. And bye. <laughs> Gee, I wonder which part of that episode was unscripted. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>